1: It's a Feminist Podcast.
0: Hello and welcome to Feminism Ruins Everything. We are the Feminist Podcast where we give critiques to movies, musicals and pop culture phenomena and potentially ruin them.
1: Potentially. We would like to acknowledge that we are recording today's episode on stolen Ghana land. We would like to pay our respects to all elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. We'd also like to point out that today we're recording in a different location. Which,
0: if you have like really astute ears, you might have picked up on because I think the acoustics are probably different the, the, in your, here.
1: Your living room is very echoey,
0: very like very high ceilings. <laughs> but also, it means that you might hear my dog chime in at some point. Um, he's a known feminist. Yeah. I think he'll probably have some strong opinions. Very
1: vocal feminist. Very vocal part. feminist. Like, yeah.
0: emphasis on vocal. Mm-hmm. Loves a bark. <laughs> Today, we are going to give a red-hot go at a feminist critique of the Stephen Sondheim and James Lapine. And James, James Lapine was there too. He wrote the book, Musical, Into the Woods. I'm so excited. This is the first Sondheim that we have done. Uh, if you're not an absolute music theatre nerd like the two of us, um, Stephen Sondheim is a he's very... He's God. Stephen Sondheim's God. Oh, God, Ellis.
1: He's, he's oh, literally...
0: I regret agreeing to do this already. <laughs>
1: Stephen Sonheim's got. He's the best composer ever.
0: He's a very, like, very celebrated, like, prolific um, body of work that he has created. Mm-hmm. I think there were like three years in a row where he won the Tony Award for best score of a musical. I'm pretty yep. sure it's three years in a row.
1: Which Com- company? Folly's Little Night Music. I'm pretty sure.
0: Just the fact that you can, like, I'm I'm sure that he wrote them. He didn't like win one and then be like, alright, on to my next one and then that one. But like the fact that he was working on three things in such close proximity that all were so celebrated is just mm-hmm. ludicrous to me. He
1: He's one of those composers that has so much respect within the industry, but is a little bit um, has never had that kind of commercial success mm. in the same way of somebody like andrew lloyd Webber, for yeah. example, because his musicals are a little bit more intricate both in terms of sound and themes it's not like a it's the exact opposite of a jukebox musical where you go to hear some really nice yeah. songs sung really prettily and some dance this is like like company is about a man's search for the meaning of why he should get married And delving into all sorts of different kinds of marriages and whether or not it's a good thing or not. Yeah. Yeah, all of his musicals are are really quite complex. Yeah. And
0: And the sound ah, is really not mainstream
1: either. Really not. Uses a lot of dissonance. Yeah. A lot of clashing things that shouldn't work, but somehow do. Yeah,
0: and like it's such a it's such a distinct sound. Like you would listen to a song even if you didn't know its origin and be like, Sondheim wrote that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is very, very much him. But one of the musicals that probably has the most mm. mainstream yeah. reach is Into the Woods, yep. because Into the Woods, uh, if you of don't the woods. know it, and Home, and before, home before Dark, <laughs> uh, Into the Woods is about fairy tales, and it takes yeah. Jack and the Beanstalk and Cinderella and Little Red Riding Hood and kind of mashes them all together and tells them all at once, and
0: they all exist in the same world. Yeah, uh, but all of the fairy tales are kind of. Flipped on their heads. Yes, like you could argue <laughs> that Sondheim in the eighties was doing what Enchanted was trying to do in like the 2010s. 30 years before. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's it's also an interesting one because this is one of the few Sondheim shows that has like a junior version or a high school version <laughs> where, that schools perform. But they ended intermission, which is just like the kind of retelling of all of the traditional <laughs> fairy tales. And yeah. then Act Two is when all the complex breaking down of of tropes and subverting expectations happens. Yeah, it's, it's what I like to call the point of the musical.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, like, I guess in Act One, you see at you see in the prologue, everyone singing about what they what they're wishing for. I wish more than anything, and. By the end of Act 1, pretty much everyone has gotten what they wished for. Mm-hmm. And then in Act 2, it all goes wrong and they suffer the consequences of getting what they wished for. Yeah. Um, but yes, when there's a junior version that only does Act <laughs> 1, it sort of yeah misses the point. I mean, uh, having done Into the Woods Junior in 2009, uh, <laughs> at the tender age of 15, um, I... Like, it was my first taste of Sondheim, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and it was a really good experience, but, yeah, it, sort of, it kind of misses the point of the show.
1: It does. But this musical, you know, was, like, beloved enough or well-known enough that Disney decided to make a movie of it in 2015, directed by Rob Marshall, and they got a pretty stacked cast. Like oh, yeah. Little Meryl like... Streep, Anna Kendrick. Mm-hmm. Emily Blunt, James, James Corden, Corden, Chris Pine, oh. the best bit of the movie. Um,
0: Ellis says Anna Kendrick's name with trepidation because uh, Ellis and I have very differing opinions of Anna Kendrick as a music theatre <laughs> performer. Uh, Mm -hmm. One of the rare times that we disagree on
1: something. So that'll probably be the back half of this episode. Yeah, probably. We'll get through our critique really quickly and then...
0: Place your bets as to, you know, which side of the the debate each of us Mm -hmm. are on. Well,
1: before we get to that debate, let's debate Into the Woods.
0: So I guess, before we get into the feminist critique of this show, I think it's a good starting point to kind of give an overview of what the show is trying to say and what its key themes are and what some of the through lines are, because I think they really colour the the rest of the discussion and the ways that the other themes are presented.
1: Yeah.
0: So I suppose, um, to me, the biggest takeaway from this show is the fact that happily ever after, in quotation marks, is a bit of...
1: Um, it doesn't It's exist. A, bit, a bit of
0: a myth, really, yeah. that you... Life doesn't work that you achieve your, your main goal or get the one thing that you want and then everything beyond that is sunshine and rainbows. Like, yeah. That's, I think the biggest takeaway from this show for me is the critique of that. Like, that's not how life works. Yeah. Which is like, a true and <coughs> accurate.
1: The, the, there are multiple occasions, at least in my life, where I've gotten to the end of something and then gone, what now? Yeah. Like I I feel like I've been very fortunate in my life to have achieved a lot of things that I've wanted to achieve mm-hmm. and kind of getting to the end of those things and realizing that oh the movie doesn't end now. Yeah, <laughs> I've got to. I've got to find the next thing. or Which keep is a going. good thing. Which is
0: good. It makes life more fulfilling that you can constantly be striving for new and different
1: goals. Exactly, but it, it's confronting, yeah. and I think the the musical explores that with these characters who are, uh, for the most part, stock characters mm. having to be confronted by reality.
0: Yeah, and I guess also I think that. Um, Another big takeaway from this show for me is the fact that there's not always a clear-cut difference between right and wrong, good and bad, good and evil. Um, It's all perspective. Yeah, it's all perspective and that there are often many different layers um, to two characters, two stories, Mm. two wants and desires that that things are very multifaceted and to try and... um, you know, paint them in very broad brushstrokes of, yes, this is good, yes, this is evil, is um, not giving the whole picture and it needs more nuance than that. I think that's Mm. another big takeaway from this show for me. So knowing that those are kind of, I mean, to me, I think those are kind of the main objectives Mm. of the show, in addition to this critique of... um, Fairy
1: tales. Yeah. The stories that we tell our children. Yeah, and the
0: fact that they're quite simplistic.
1: What we thought we would do is take the individual stories within Into the Woods and kind of go through them one by one and discuss them in their relationship to feminism.
0: Yeah. Let's begin with The Baker and The Baker's Wife.
1: Mm -hmm. That is one thing that is noticeable about this show, a lot of the characters don't have actual names, they have titles, mm. like The Baker, The Baker's Wife, or Jack's Mother, yeah. Cinderella, and Rapunzel's Prince, yeah. for example. The Witch.
0: The Witch. Um, which, like, the wolf. Mm-hmm. And I get I get that it's trying to make a point that they're all kind of representing stock characters, yeah, um, and that they're all kind of um, archetypes. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I really hate that Arguably the female lead. I mean, I suppose the witch is probably the female lead. But um, the secondary female lead being the baker's wife. Uh, her name is only uh, a representation of her relationship to her husband. Yeah. Not a fan of that. Um, <laughs> but I suppose it's very... Um, I'm going to sound like such a theatre nerd saying this. Um, but it's very Brechtian. Yeah. To have each of the characters named by... Um,
1: what they represent. Yeah.
0: And... Uh, I suppose to really, to give a very brief overview, I think the point of Brechtian theatre is like to have some sort of political message behind it. So I think that that's pretty in keeping mm. with this piece.
1: I think it's also in keeping with the traditional fairy tales. Like you'd read them and it wouldn't be Pete the hunter. the hunter. yeah, yeah. The yeah. hunter.
0: Yeah, true. Um, so the, the storyline of the baker and the baker's wife is that they want to have a child. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. And they are unable to conceive because the witch has placed a spell on their house because... Uh,
1: on, on the baker's household.
0: On the baker's household because uh, when the baker's mother was pregnant with him, uh, his father stole from her garden mm-hmm. and so she cast a spell she on the them. house yeah. that... The family tree would always be a barren one, mm-hmm. so there's no more fuss <laughs> like, Do not give me an excuse to do the witch's rap because I will absolutely do the witch's rap.: Are you, are Don't
1: you, tempt asking, me are you asking me to prevent you from singing sontime? Because I'm, I have the least amount of self-control when it comes to beans, singing
0: songtime. beans nothing but. <laughs> No, it's greens, 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 and nothing, nothing but green. greens. Parsley, Pasted, peppers, peppers, cabbages peppers, cabbages, and celery, celery, asparagus, and watercress, and fiddlefoot, and the lettuce. He said, Oh, right, that's <laughs> what it was. Because I caught him in the autumn in my garden one night. And then I'm not going to say the next line because it's not aged well.
1: No, but we will talk about that when we talk about the witch, I think. Will we? I think, I think we should.
0: Great. <laughs> cool, we have not discussed this. No. It's an organic discussion. It's folks. organic, it
1: flows, much like the greens in her garden. Oh, very no. organic.
0: Much like Rapunzel's hair flowing. <laughs> I hate myself. <laughs> anyway, so there's no more fuss. Um, So the witch has placed this spell because the baker's father stole these beans from her, mm-hmm. the special beans. Yep. Um, and that means that they can't have a child. So in order to have the curse lifted, they have to go into the woods, is the name of the flower? And uh, collect the cow as white as milk, the cape as red as blood, the hair as yellow as corn, the slipper as pure as gold. <laughs> to give to the witch so that she could break her own curse mm-hmm. where she is cursed to be old and ugly. The worst thing a woman can be. Absolute
1: worst thing. <laughs> I just
0: looked at the peak that I just made <laughs> saying that on the sound.
1: But the, the main kind of conflict that arises from this... Uh, is that the baker's wife is like, cool, let's go and break this curse. Yeah. And the baker's like, uh-uh, I'll break this curse. The spell is on my house. Yeah. You stay at home because the dangerous. No, 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 the, the woods spell are is dangerous. on
0: our house. <laughs> we must lift the spell together. Mm-hmm. Like, be a team player, baker. Yeah. And also, like... He's like, "Oh no, no, no. It's far too dangerous. You're you're a woman. I I must protect you. Mm-hmm. You're incapable." And then he like straight up forgets what he's meant to collect. He and gets he's like, confused. what do I have confused. to what do I have to get again?" And she's like, "Oh my god. The cow is white as milk, the cape is red as blood, the hair is yellow as gold, the slipper as pure as gold."
1: And if she didn't follow after him knowing that he'd be somewhat incompetent, they wouldn't have gotten anywhere close to breaking the spell.
0: Yes, moral of the story Um, give your wife some credit, please.
1: And I think this is the first critique that the musical makes of that idea because I think it's very much aware that the baker is being an idiot from the get-go.
0: Yeah, I listen to this and I'm like, hey, baker, can you A, stop being a misogynist, Mm -hmm. B, stop trying to control your wife's decisions, C, recognize that your wife is actually very competent and is going to be more competent than you.
1: <laughs> <sighs> but I think I think the musical is critiquing that notion and that idea. And the baker is always kind of presented in this like somewhat useless, yeah, like, not very good. She's the one that comes up with all the good ideas. She's the one that ends up making the plans that work out in the end. And his journey in that first act is kind of realizing and accepting that one, he doesn't have to do everything on his own just because he's the man of the household, and two, that working together with his wife, who is a very intelligent, capable, wonderful woman, is probably a good thing.
0: Mm. Moral of the story, <laughs> listen to your wife. She's <laughs> got some good ideas. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: But that but, ties in... Their story ties in very closely with the witch's story. Yeah. Because the witch is the one who's, like, put the curse on them. She's the instigator of their plot. And the witch wants something from it. She wants to return to her her youthful, beautiful, played by Bernadette Beater's self.
0: Mm. Or Meryl Streep. Or Meryl Streep. If you're looking Stream. at the movie. Um, so I was reading this article... Um, it's by Jarrah Hodge, and it's from the website genderfocus.com. Uh, sign me up. Uh, that was pretty much like a, a feminist critique of, uh, of Into the Woods. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's a good point. Going to make that on the podcast. <laughs> but going to, you know, uh, credit the sources. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that was brought up by that article um, that she discussed is the fact that um, when you look at The Witch... And her motivations and what drives her, like it's a very gendered, um, a very gendered super objective. Like she's like, I want to be young and beautiful, Mm -hmm. and you know have uh, control over my daughter. Essentially, being Rapunzel,
1: Um,
0: and it just to me really reeks of two male writers going. Now, what do women want? <laughs> uh, to
1: to be young and beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, that checks
1: out. But, <laughs> and I think that is a shame because she is by far and away the most, um, yeah. competent, and intelligent character.
0: I would also say like the most nuanced character, and, and also the character that like makes some of the best points.
1: <laughs> yeah, she like she, she's not a good person. And she doesn't know, always necessarily do good things, but she's always kind of right mm. while she's doing those things.
0: I'm not good, I'm not nice, nice I'm just, just right. right. Is that what the lyric is? Yeah. I'm the witch, <laughs> you're the world.
1: Oh, and then she sings Last Midnight and it's Oof. phenomenal.
0: Oof. Um, so the witch's storyline essentially is that she has had this curse put upon her that she'll forever be you know, elderly and ugly. Yeah. Um, Again, Mm -hmm. the worst thing a woman can be. That was sarcastic, folks. Um, So she needs to get the baker and baker's wife to get these ingredients for this potion that's going to help her. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the same time, she is holding captive Rapunzel, um, who she's claimed as her daughter, even though she's not, because Rapunzel was actually the baker's sister. Plot twist. <laughs> um, and I also find it really interesting that when she reveals this to the baker, um, she says something about the baker's mother having another child. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I had a brother? And no, she's like, but, but you, you had, had a, a sister. sister. It's like, Baker, your gender bias is showing, mate. <laughs> Come on. Um, but I the role of Rapunzel really grinds my gears, not for Rapunzel herself, but just the fact that she's so poorly written and has no
1: characteristics. She, yeah, she's very much a plot device yeah. for other characters to have motivation than a person in her own right, which I think is is a shame. yeah because uh, I think th- there's like one moment in the the musical at least where she starts. Standing up to the witch and saying, "Actually, no, you have abused me my entire life. There's no way I want anything to do with you now." And then, kind of does nothing with that. Mm. Following, like, I I wonder if this there are too many characters in this show to give them all um, like their proper due. Like, some of them are really complex and nuanced. There are so many characters, well established, and others are just like. We're here. We're the ensemble.
0: (laughs) I think that that's almost, that probably was one of the um, motivations to make a junior version of this show. Because it's like, what show can we give to high schools where, like, you can have 16 lead roles? (laughs) Into the woods, everybody. Done. Everyone gets a part. You get a part. (laughs) You get a part. You all
1: get a part. But the witch the witch's motivation for looking after or locking rapunzel in a tower is for her own safety she's like the world is cruel the world is wicked it's i alone it's i alone who you can trust in this whole woods
0: don't you know what's out there in the world like um, also what a heartbreakingly beautiful song oh gorgeous
1: gorgeous song and so from the witch's perspective she's trying to protect rapunzel yeah. but in, in fact it is causing all sorts of other problems.
0: Yeah, but also objectively, mm-hmm. the way that you protect somebody is not necessarily to shield them from all of the harm that is potentially mm. out there, but also but just to equip them and to, you know Yeah. Let them learn from their own mistakes. Let them be
1: their own person. Yeah. I also think it's interesting that when the witch Completes the spell and regains her youth and beauty, she loses her powers. So she's been using magic all the way through. As soon as she gets her youth and beauty back, she loses her magic. Mm. She becomes a person instead of a witch. And I wonder if that's almost a critique of like... I, I, th- I might be reaching with this, but it might be a critique of if your goal is something so Fundamentally shallow, you might be giving up something that was important.
0: Ah, see, to that, get that that, was not where my brain went. My mm. brain went, um, Are the writers trying to say that feminine beauty is just um, bit powerful in another way? Like another way that you can wield your power over oh, others?
1: I certainly didn't get that.
0: Like, I don't know, that's where my brain went. Wow. I mean, it's all speculation. It's all speculation,
1: but I think I think it's it's
0: like oh, you don't need you don't need magic anymore because you can just use your feminine wiles no, to to, me, to win people over.
1: Now to me, it feels like a punishment because she is definitely like oh, now I'm ordinary. Mm. I don't have my powers anymore. I have really liked having magic. Yeah. Like, so I, I, I definitely didn't see it like that. And she spends the the second act being kind of really bitter about it <laughs> and, and everything, and just being like, "You guys are idiots! Can't believe I'm the one who has to solve all the problems."
0: Let's talk about Act Two in terms of the baker and the baker's wife. Yeah. So they end Act One having been able to conceive because they lifted the curse. Yeah. They found the cow was white as milk, the cake was red as blood, the hair is yellow as gone, the slipper is pure as gold.
1: You don't have to say it every time, it's but thing. I want to. But I like
0: it. <laughs> um, and so they're able to conceive and then in Act Two you see them and they've got a child and they are overwhelmed. <laughs> because Parent parenting is, is hard. hard. Um, I g- gather don't have any first hand experience. Like like you've take
1: a, you've got a furry baby. Yeah. And taking I care do. of him can be a, a handful sometimes. Yeah. He
0: he is a problem child sometimes. <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I take my hat off to actual parents. Not that dog parents aren't real parents. Parents, of, I take my hat off to parents of children. <laughs> Heck. So already we see the whole, you know, you don't live happily ever after the moment that you have a family because, mm-hmm. you know, parenting presents its unique challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, but then things get so... Um, hectic that they go back into the woods, and the baker's wife has an affair with a prince,
1: mm-hmm. Cinderella's prince. Cinderella's prince. Yeah.
0: Um, and then has this kind of epiphany and/or existential crisis, which is um like a ph- like phenomenal writing by Sondheim. Mm-hmm. Um, but then immediately. Gets crushed by a giant.
1: <laughs> it's as if she, she kind of had the realisation that her wants and dreams and hopes were complex and multifaceted. Yes, And also the acceptance that that's kind of okay and that she can use that to to better herself and her future. And as soon as she becomes the most three-dimensional version of herself, she is killed.
0: Mm. Well, I think that part of the... um. Like one of the thematic through lines of the show is really honed home in this point because she says, If life were full of moments, even now or then a bad one, but if life were full of moments, then you'd never know you had one. Yeah. So I I really like that idea that, you know, if you just lived happily ever after, then you wouldn't appreciate it because if everything was good, then you wouldn't know that it was good. You have to have the dips to appreciate The highs, I think that's lovely. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Must it all be either less or more, either plain or grand? Is it always or? Is it never and? That's what woods are for, for these moments in the woods.
0: And Sondheim is genius because there's the double meaning of wood. Like there's woods that you go into, like in the title, Mm -hmm. to be like, what what happens in the woods stays in the woods, but also woods as in, Um, But there's also the meaning of would, like, that has an L in it. Like, this would have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just the whole appreciation in this song that her wants and needs are complex and multifaceted is phenomenal.
1: The, The song ends with the lines, Let the moment go, don't forget it for a moment though. Just remembering you've had an and when you're back to or makes the or mean more than it did before. Now I understand, and it 's time to leave the woods and then she dies which is like heartbreaking mm. but that 's also the best moment in the in the show I think like the i, I watched there 's a recording of the original Broadway production out there in the ether, and uh, I watched it, and Joanna Gleason, who was phenomenal as the baker 's wife the applause <laughs> that happened following that song lasted about a minute. Incredible. Like, Incredible. Like she was there like trying to continue the scene like, and sorry, they're still go, applauding. i got to go
0: die now? Um, so the article that I read, which is called Sorry Folks, Into the Woods Isn't Feminist <laughs> um, by Jarrah Hodge. Uh, another critique that they made is that um it kind of seems like the baker's wife has an affair and then immediately dies and that comes across as her being punished for that infidelity. Hmm. Um, but also, apparently James Lapine has been asked about this and he's like, no, 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 no. It just is what the narrative needed in that moment, um, which again I think you can critique because the point of the narrative needing it is that the baker then has his character arc and kind of steps up as a father and as a as a um, leader as to a the leader, other people, yeah, yeah, and a problem solver because he can't rely on his wife anymore. And it's like, oh, that's nice. Uh the the baker's wife's death is being used as a catalyst for her husband's character development. Like, yeah. But I think that the the whole um cheating infidelity side of things with the baker's wife and the prince is just kind of again demonstrative of the fact that there is no such thing as happily ever after and you're Mm. always going to question a long-term relationship that you have with somebody maybe (laughs) maybe there are people that never question that
1: you never know but I'd like to talk to them (laughs) Share your secrets, please. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um.
0: But I don't think that I don't know because I, I don't want to try and excuse infidelity, um, but at the same time, I don't think you should die because of it.
1: It's very much the extreme bad ending yeah. for her. Yeah. Because because of that. I I think it wouldn't be it wouldn't feel as much of an issue if her death happened one scene later. The fact that it is like Mm. she has the affair, she has her epiphany, she immediately dies, all within the same scene, I think that's what makes that correlation between her death and her infidelity cemented. I think if there'd just been a little bit of a gap between them, we wouldn't have that intrinsic link. Mm. But as the musical is written, that link is there, and you, you can't help but but draw a straight line between the two events. Yeah. It is interesting. I think it's interesting that her revelation isn't so much I did a bad thing and I must atone for it. Mm. It's I'm a complicated person with many different wants and needs and things need to be fulfilling. And while she probably has a different appreciation for the life that she had before, I don't think she regrets it mm. and I think that the musical frames that as a positive mm. character growth yeah but then kills her immediately afterwards yeah it's it's yeah. a it's a tricky one it's, it is morally dubious in the same way that all the characters learn that life is
0: yeah, yeah. absolutely Yeah, I I think that it's hard to draw any concrete lines in this show because the whole point of it is that people are complicated. (laughs) And so we're going to see... like There aren't going to be any clear-cut answers about the representation of any feminist issues because people are going to fall on both sides.
1: The other person involved in the infidelity storyline is Cinderella's prince, Mm -hmm. who is the prince of the kingdom, uh, the brother to Rapunzel's prince... And I think it's really cool that both of the princes aren't referred to, are referred to by their relationship to the women that they mm. are courting. I think that's a cool, yeah, that's cool like the exact opposite
0: it. of the Baker's work.
1: Yeah, uh, but he, uh, him and Cinderella, you know, she ends up going to the ball and she decides, oh, I've got to run away at midnight, and he starts pursuing her. Uh, and you know, in the traditional story, as it goes, you know, she her slipper gets left behind on the steps. He finds it, and then finds her, and they get married. And then in Acts two, he's like, "Yeah, I'm not satisfied. I'm not mm. enough." And I think he, I think he genuinely does l- care for a Cinderella, but he's like, "I, I need." To-
0: it's the thrill of the chase
1: it's for the th- me, exactly. And <laughs> and I think they yeah. have the important conversation about fidelity that I wish the baker and his wife got to have mm. as well because Cinderella does confront him after learning of of his infidelity and he is apologetic but also like but this is who I am this is what I I need mm. um, and they they end it by saying he' was like I will always love the the woman who ran away at the ball. And Cinderella says, and I will always love the faraway prince.
0: And Mm. that is like
1: a beautiful encapsulation of like, the thing that I thought I wanted is what I really loved. And the reality is, is not what I wanted.
0: Oh, oh, Oh. good shit.
1: Oh, it's so good.
0: (laughs) Um, Let's talk about, um, I, I also want to talk about the stepsisters and the stepmother, but let's talk about the steps of the palace moment um so in act one cinderella does go to the ball
1: ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkled down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door
0: as we know that she does, because that's how the traditional story goes. Mm-hmm. And um, she runs away, but has a moment that you see in this song, On the Steps of the Palace, where she decides to leave a shoe behind. Mm-hmm. And Ellis, you were saying that you'd read about Sondheim talking about this show. Do you want to talk about that?
1: So uh, Sondheim at one point said that when you know researching the fairy tales he kind of realized that Cinderella never had any agency in relation to the shoe being left behind at the at the ball mm. she was running away the shoe slipped off she didn't have time to go back for it and then the prince discovered it and then found her yeah. that way and in writing on the on the steps of the palace uh, he wanted Cinderella to make the decision to leave the shoe behind mm-hmm. so that you know she's not sure what she wants whether she really wants to live with the prince or anything because the prince has made it very clear that he is he is keen on her but uh, to the point where he's like in you know he, he smears pitch on the stairs so that she'll get stuck to it and won't be able to <laughs> run away which is like not really respectful of her no, decisions problematic really I'm red flag, red flag. Uh, <laughs> who, who would have thought that he would have turned out to not be the, the, the nicest guy um but while she's there, she's like stuck to the stairs and she is faced with the decision of pulling the shoe free. But she's like, no, I'm going to leave it there. And while I am not ready to make the decision about what, I w- what will happen with the prince, I'm going to leave the shoe so that if he wants to find me, he can. Mm. And that's a ve- I think that's a very different take on Cinderella because it gives her a lot more agency than yeah. a lot of the other versions of the story do.
0: I mean it's still it still kinda leaves things up to fate, but it's her call that she wants them left up to fate. Yeah. Like stuff doesn't happen to her, she does well, I mean it still does happen to her that he finds her, but it's her call that she's like, I'm going to leave this door open as an option. Mm-hmm.
1: It's, it's almost as if she's leaving it up to fate, but she's giving fate the opportunity yeah. to make that decision. Yeah. Yeah, which is just a cool take it on is. that. Like, Even though it follows the same steps as the traditional huh, steps, follows the same <laughs> plot beats as the original story, that, that one little change actually gives her a lot more control over the ending mm. that she doesn't have anywhere else.
0: Yeah. I want to talk about... The stepmother and the stepsisters. Um, because another critique, I swear that I have my own original thoughts about this that aren't just taken <laughs> from this one article, but I did really like this one article. Um, the other critique that this author, Jarrah Hodge, had was that, um, yes, there is the villain in inverted commas as of the witch, but she is very multi dimensional and she's very. Um, nuanced and you see many different sides to her but you do also have these very one-dimensional villainous characters of the stepmother and the stepsisters and again there are so many characters in this show that it it doesn't really leave a lot of room for everyone to have character development Mm -hmm. but it is like really playing into a i would say sexist trope of the evil stepmother, the evil catty stepsisters. like uh, mm-hmm. These women who just tear down Cinderella because they can.
1: They only care about their appearance and how beautiful they yeah. are and how ugly Cinderella is by comparison.
0: Yeah, and I just don't really think that there's necessarily a male equivalent to that.
1: No, even the princes who I would argue aren't fully dimensional characters no. in their own right still have more nuance to them.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I do think that it's, like, not even giving the stepsisters um, really much of a an objective other than I want to marry the prince because I want mm-hmm. to marry into a life of royalty and riches and their mother wanting that for them, I think is, um, doesn't it doesn't add to the representation of women. I don't know. <laughs> no, think. it
1: really doesn't. And they, they are very minor characters mm. as well. They're always kinda of like shoved off or used as a as a punchline. Yeah. But even your minor characters could have more nuance and more motivations.
0: Yeah. I think just when you when you're rewriting so many fairy tales and you're kind of questioning so many different tropes and the way that characters have been represented in the past. I think that would have been an interesting one to also subvert
1: that wasn't. I think I kind of want to talk about the princes very Mm -hmm. quickly because I think they are very deliberately... They subvert things in some ways, but I think they're very deliberately written in that prince charming kind of ideal. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they are some of the characters who deliberately don't change... Sure. as the story goes, they are this kind of like i don't even know if this is feminist <laughs> re- feminist related I just wanted to talk about it um but the the fact that you know Cinderella's prince says the words, "I was raised to be charming, not sincere, <laughs> which is one of the best lines of dialogue I've ever heard in anything ever can love it and you know, he he's kind of, like, presenting as this ideal that doesn't really exist. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, he's, he, all, all he does is kind of, like, placates and does what he thinks is the most charming way of doing it. Like, yeah. like he, he comforts Jack's mother, who thinks that Jack is dead, and he's like, well, there isn't really anything we can do about it, is there? <laughs> if he's dead, he's dead, oh. and if he's alive, we'll find him.
0: Oh, (laughs) my God. I think maybe what the princes stand for is also that similar ideal that, um, oh, you know, when you find your prince charming, like life is going to um, be happily ever after. Um, And the fact that you see these characters who, yes, are very handsome and and charming, but are also useless (laughs) (laughs) and kind of idiotic Mm -hmm. kind of represents the fact that... um, you know, even if you end up with a Prince Charming, you're going to have issues, mm-hmm. potentially.
1: They also parody the uh, one of our least favourite tropes, which is the meet somebody and instantly fall in love and get married with them, because they are constantly on the hunt for new people to <laughs> meet so that they can marry them. Because <laughs> they, they marry Cinderella and Rapunzel respectively, and then they reprise agony, and... Um, and they start singing about Sleeping Beauty and Snow White <laughs> and how they're these far-off, dis- uh, distant uh, maidens who they need to go rescue, and that's what has captured their heart. Yeah. No, so they you know, yeah. parodying that.
0: Another character that we haven't given a lot of airtime to yet is that of Little Red Riding Hood. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't lie to you, Ellis Dolan, if I were auditioning for a production of Into the Woods, this is the role I would want to play. Because <laughs> she is small and twangy. And kind of frantic, and I'm like, oh.
1: That just sounds like you. That's me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically, her storyline is similar to that of her fairy tale, where she is going to take some sweets to her granny that she has got from the baker and the baker's wife, mm-hmm.
1: uh,
0: incidentally. She, like, stole um, a bunch Stole of them, well. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, a really funny sequence, Yeah, that is. it is. Um, but what happens is she goes into the woods. She is lured off the path, um, by the big bad wolf. wolf, And then, uh, he eats her grandmother and then eats her. Mm. And then the baker saves them Mm -hmm. by cutting open the wolf's stomach because he doesn't chew apparently. No. And. Swallows them whole. Yeah. You've got to suspend your disbelief. yeah.
1: Uh, (laughs) it's a fairy tale. That's the way that works.
0: But, oh my goodness, this whole sequence of the wolf luring her away, and then her singing about it in retrospect is creepy as heck.
1: Oh, it's so to the point so predatory that
0: I like. I listen to it and I'm like, this reads as pedophilic to me. It's icky.
1: Hundred percent.
0: It's so icky.
1: Even more so in the movie where they cast a young girl, yeah, as and Red
0: Johnny Depp yeah. as the. Um, Let's not get into that. Let's not get into that. It's um, different in the
1: stage show where Little Red is usually portrayed by like an 18 to 20 year old yeah. woman. Like a young woman, but a woman, not a girl.
0: Yeah. Or like a small twiny adult. <laughs> Enter. Millicent stuff. <laughs> if anyone wants to produce Into the Woods anytime soon, hit me up.
1: That's all I want to do now that I've watched it. I'm just like, I just want to put a production of it on. Of course you do. <laughs> but it, it, it is very predatory in in that regard and I think deliberately so
0: yeah although with her reflecting on it I do really like that the takeaway is that you can learn about yourself and you can mature and grow from negative experiences Mm -hmm. I think that's a really cool takeaway um that's the whole point of I know things now I think that's how I listen to it anyway um but also just some of the imagery, I'm like, Egh. like, <laughs> um, he drew me close and he swallowed me down, down a dark, slimy path where lie secrets that I never want to know. Disgusting. Mm. Disgusting. Um, yeah, I, I guess also I it's somewhat take issue with the Little Red story in that, again, it feels like things happen to her rather than her having agency. Mm. Like the fact that she is I guess she does make the decision to like stray from the path, but that she's lured into doing so by the wolf and then she's rescued by the baker. It's like she's um the victim and the damsel in distress that kind of doesn't have any agency about how to um how to deal with the
1: situation herself, I suppose. Yeah, I feel like she's the most tangential of all the characters. Like She's the one that they were kind of like, oh, we need to find a reason for Little Red to be here and be involved in in the plot. I, I think they... I, I'm speculating, obviously, but I feel like they like, came up with the idea of how they would tell her fairy tale and then had to come up with a reason why she would be in the rest of the musical. And it just doesn't, doesn't quite feel like there is as much reason for her to be there as the other characters. Mm. But...
0: I mean, I yeah. do like that in Act 2... Like, almost everyone dies. In Act 2, we are left with, what, the Baker, Cinderella, Little Red, and Jack yeah. as this little posse, like the yeah. survivors. Um, and I, I suppose that um, they all are seemingly young and innocent, um, so it feels like the Baker has to step up and um, be, a, be a leader and be a um, father figure yeah. to this group. Um, But again, she is just there to aid in the storyline of the male lead, I suppose, even if that was your, um, even if that's the reason that she's there.
1: Yeah, I think so. But what a song. I Know know Things Now is like the tune, amazing song and also the first instance of that kind of what happens after the story. Mm. I think that's where that seed is first planted. Yeah,
0: because her storyline is done very quickly in act one. Yeah. Yeah, I lived happily ever after because I got saved from the wolf not eating me.
1: (laughs) And then I I gave up my red hood and got a wolf pelt. And she walks around the rest of the show with a wolf pelt on and carrying a knife and just like back off. That is pretty sick. It's real cool. She is
0: like a little badass. Yeah, she is. Yeah. (laughs) And it's hers that is the cape as red as blood. It is. Because I don't know if you know this, Ellis, but what the bacon is white... What what did they have to to find? uh, The cow is white as milk, the cape is red as blood, the hair is yellow as
1: corn, the slipper is pure as gold. The the cow is white as cape, the the blood is red as... No, no, no. uh, But the curse is on my house, so you please stay at home.
0: The curse is on our house. (laughs) We must lift the spell together. God damn it.
1: Let's talk about motherhood or parenthood, because I think that is an underlying theme... Throughout it, or you have the baker and his wife who want a child. You have the witch who is, from her perspective, trying to be a good mother to Rapunzel, mm. uh, and you, and you have you know Jack's mother is there as well.
0: Mm. I think I don't think that any of the mothers in this show are portrayed in a positive light, and that bothers me slightly um, because Jack's mother is at her wit's end. The witch is uh, keeping her daughter captive. Mm -hmm. Um, The the little red's mother like sends her her into the woods. woods. (laughs) Um, Yeah,
1: but uh, the baker, I think, is uh, the baker's wife is portrayed as a decent mother, Mm. but as a person, she is fundamentally flawed. And I wonder if that's kind of the point of like, hey, your parents are people too. And they're not perfect paragons of going to be able to do anything.
0: Yeah, but also, the like other than the baker, the only representation of parenthood that we see mm-hmm. are mothers. Other than the baker's father, who rocks up because he's been... Where did he go? Where was well, he?
1: <laughs> well, the, 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 there's this mysterious old man who's kind of following them all around Act One, who turns out to be the baker's father, who, after getting the curse on... His family, he deserts them. His, his, you know, his his the his father died and his mother no.
0: Your father. His your father cried, cried and, and your, your mother, mother died. died.
1: Um and and upon the the death of his wife, he abandons his son, and so yeah. Not and and you know he has regret about that. And the baker and him shared a beautiful duet in Act Two about. Whether or not you can run away from your problems, Mm. turns out you can't. You have to do something about them.
0: But yeah, I don't. I don't love that the only representations, or with a few exceptions, the majority of the representations of parenthood that you see are mothers, and none of them are portrayed as doing a particularly good job. Yeah, I just think that's a bit harsh because it's a tough gig. Not that I know from experience, (laughs) but um from my understanding (laughs) so let's just be a bit kinder to mothers who are just trying their best
1: there's one moment that I think is quite important dealing with motherhood there's a conversation between Jack's mother and the baker's wife where Jack's mother is like looking for Jack and being like oh you know kids these days you've got to be careful with your kids and the baker's wife goes well I don't have any kids and Jack's mother goes well that's okay too Mm. And it's 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 a, a a funny moment, but I also think it's kind of important to have to to say that to mm. just say it's okay if you don't have kids. Well, I also think that
0: it speaks to the fact that once women get to a particular age, you assume that they have children, um, which can be really tough for a for a myriad of reasons, like if if you have to constantly explain actually no i don't have kids that could mean having to explain you know infertility issues or mm-hmm. having to give your whole justification of why you don't want children because yeah. um, you don't have to justify that <laughs> um if you don't want kids don't have them you don't have to explain that to strangers who ask how old are yours um and also like you might be in a in a queer relationship that makes it difficult to yeah. conceive naturally and it might be a whole freaking thing for you because fertility treatment and adoption and surrogacy is freaking expensive and quite inaccessible so don't assume <laughs> don't assume that women have children because you know that can be a sensitive topic for people so just don't do it don't bring it up unless they are like this is my child <laughs> <laughs> then you can probably assume mm-hmm. if you've been introduced to their kid. <laughs> what, yeah. Don't assume that takes somebody takes has a kid.
1: <laughs> Don't assume that somebody has a kid until you have seen and interacted <laughs> with the kids.
0: Or like if somebody's like, "Yes, I have children." But like believe them?
1: Yeah. Or if they have one of those annoying family bumper stickers on the back of their car, then I think you're you're like, you know, you're allowed to ask them about their kids, but I think you're also allowed to hit their car with yours. Is that is that how that works?
0: I'm not condoning this. <laughs>
1: They really Please annoy know me. that this
0: is an Ellis Dolan moment. Um, <laughs> I did not have the same recommendation. Speaking of... <laughs> should we un- should we unpin this? Should we open this can of worms? Speaking of things that Ellis and I disagree on... Here we go. I just do not enjoy Anna Kendrick in a movie musical. Anna Kendrick Soomy. is a delight. I do not... I, I don't ever warm to her.
1: I am instantly warmed by her. As soon as she appears on screen, I'm like, I know this is going to be great. I, she's going to be delightful and charming. No. I thought I, she no, was a really I, I think she's lovely a black Cinderella. I a of charisma. I just... I just disagree.
0: And also... We'll do an episode in future on the last five years. But, heck, in the movie version of that... I just really do not enjoy her as Kathy, and then she is in into the woods, and I'm like, ah,
1: she broke my heart. I just don't
0: think I don't like the way that she acts through song because I don't think she does, (laughs) Uh, and I don't like the fact that she like. Belted most of Cinderella, but I'm like, this is a role written for a legit soprano. and are one
1: to talk. That's coming yeah.
0: from Mimsa, <laughs> who is an absolute slut for a belt. Um, and I'm like, mm, could have been more thin fold. Uh, that's really saying something. I just, and I I really hope that it's not a gendered thing that I don't like her portrayal of things. Like, I, I don't think. It's a. I don't know how it would be gendered.
1: I, I don't know. Like you're allowed to have performers that you enjoy watching and performers yeah. that you don't enjoy watching. I don't. You don't, you don't need to have an. Excuse I don't for enjoy
0: that. watching Anna Kendrick,
1: even if you're wrong in this instance, because Anna Kendrick is a delight. I like in her. every perfect,
0: but I think she plays like the 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 misfit teen, young adult, mm. um, really well. Like I really like that role for her, but as a. As a sweet, charming character in musicals, I'm not interested.
1: Oh, I, just, I just couldn't disagree with you more. Because I, every time Anna Kendrick appears on screen, I'm just... It's delightful. You know what
0: else? We'll agree to disagree.
1: We'll agree to disagree.
0: Speaking of agreeing to disagree, um, one last point that I want to make that I really like from this show is the distinction between being nice... And being good and doing what is right and being nice.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, the, the witch sums it up perfectly um, in in her big song last midnight. Oh, like, tune! You're so nice. You're not good. You're not bad. You're just nice. nice.
0: And I think that, especially um, recently, the idea that somebody is nice can often be a, be passed off as an excuse. For problematic worldviews that they
1: harbour. The the amount of times that I've gotten into quote unquote discussions mm. about political issues or social issues on Facebook and been told, why are you being so mean to me when I'm pointing out that the racist things they are saying are racist.
0: Oh, you getting into fights on Facebook gives me so much secondhand anxiety, I won't lie to you.
1: It gives me a lot of mental health <laughs> issues, it gives that's you for sure. First hand anxiety, in
0: fact. But. The, the I think, I think it's just used as an excuse for, like, oh, well, I couldn't, I couldn't be racist because I'm nice. Yeah. Oh, I'm not, I'm not sexist. I'm
1: I'm, I'm a nice, nice guy. I'm nice. Like, nice is one of those used... I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those words that's used by men a lot to be like, oh, she only dates arseholes, whereas I'm a nice guy. <laughs> and in kind of saying that, you reveal that you are, in fact, not quite... Nice or a good person. You actually summarize this really well in one of your songs. Um, oh, shucks. <laughs> uh, if you could explain to the people how you put it.
0: So, um, um, to k- narcissistically quote my own lyric at you, um, the lyric is if you have to play the nice guy card, you're probably not as nice a guy as you might think you are. Yeah. Sorry about it. If you have to point out how nice you are, probs not. You're probably not nice. Yeah. eh?
1: If it doesn't come across intrinsically, Mm. then maybe you're not as yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Having to justify why somebody should sleep with you, yeah, just probably means that somebody shouldn't sleep with you. Mm. Hmm. Let
0: your actions speak louder than your words.
1: Yeah. And if that word is nice. A then, word. then the word is speaking for itself, and it's doing the opposite <laughs> of what you think it is. Little Red also brings that up earlier. She makes the distinction that nice is different than good. Yeah, like very much, just like Sondheim staring at the audience, going, "Have you understood yet?" <laughs> <laughs> you Actually get what I'm strangers. saying. Every
0: even flowers have their dangers, and the scary is exciting. Nice,
1: nice is, is different, different than, than good. good. It's great.
0: Mm. It's great. Ellis. Oh. Does any of was pass the Bechdel test?
1: I think it does. There is a moment... Uh, I, I think it struggles with the Bechdel test, not because there aren't characters who don't talk about anything other than men, uh, but a lot of them don't have names
0: oh yeah so the fact that they
1: are the baker's wife or the witch they have titles they don't have names oh, yeah. it really struggles I with that I hadn't thought
0: about it from that perspective you're right
1: and yes a lot of conversations occur like Cinderella and the baker's wife talk about the prince a lot and things yeah. like that but there is a moment uh, late in the second act where Cinderella and Little Red have a conversation about what's about to happen and how scared they are and they sing No One Is Alone oh, which oh. is a heartbreakingly beautiful oh my song.
0: heart Um, it
1: just scrapes in at the end
0: I guess also it's tricky because whether or not the witch is a name or not Mm -hmm. Um, but I suppose all of stay with me which is the witch saying to Rapunzel this is why I have to protect you because the world is a bad place
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but does she have a name who knows Um, yeah I know that I keep referring to this article, but it's really good. You should go read it. Um, but this article alerted me to a new test that I really enjoy um, <laughs> called the Sexy Lamp Test.
1: I love the Sexy Lamp and Test. And
0: essentially, um, if you can replace a female character with a sexy lamp and not really disrupt the plot, um, you'll, the representation of this female character is <laughs> um, and I would argue that Rapunzel does not pass the sexy lamp test.
1: She is 100% a sexy lamp.
0: Yeah, you could replace her with a sexy lamp and the witch would be like, get away from my lamp. And the prince would be like, but I want your lamp. And then the lamp would like, sing a pretty tune.
1: <laughs> the, the baker would ask, "Like, but I had an ordinary lamp? No, but you had a sexy lamp.
0: <laughs> oh, this, this lamp... It has, a, it has a lovely trim. <laughs>
1: the lamp. was white as milk, the
0: cape was red as blood, the trim as yellow as corn.
1: <laughs> lamp, let down your cord. And then you have to pull the cord to get up. Yeah, it's, It works.
0: It's, uh, yeah, Rapunzel is a sexy lamp.
1: Ah, well, back to my, my lamp.
0: <laughs> On that happy note, Ellis, do we rate or ruin Into the Woods? I can just see you grappling with the fact that you don't want to ruin us (laughs) sometime.
1: It's not just that. I think there are a lot of ways in which it presents female characters in a very complex and nuanced way. Yes. But at the same time, it kind of reinforces somewhat outdated ideals about what women want Mm. and what their super objectives are and what their roles can be.
0: I suppose when you look at the f- the main female characters, the witch wants to be young and beautiful, very um, stereotypical feminine mm-hmm. trope. Uh, the baker's wife wants to have a child, which you know is a perfectly valid thing for a woman to want, but also is very stereotypically yeah. in line with female gender roles. Um, Cinderella wants to be whisked away into a better life, maybe.
1: Yeah, she thinks she does. She thinks at
0: least. she does. She she wants to go to a fest. she wants to wear a pretty ball gown and go to a festival,
1: which is totally fine if that's what you want to do. Yeah. But again, very stereotypical thing. Little Little Red wants to not be eaten by a wolf.
0: That's pretty fair. I don't want to be eaten by a wolf. I
1: think that's understandable. Okay, she she passes. <laughs> <best. laughs>
0: so, Rapunzel does not want to be kept in captivity.
1: I think that's very fair as well.
0: But also, like, what do we know about her other than that?
1: She's a sexy lamp.
0: She's a sexy lady.
1: So, but it then delves into these, these characters and their nuance and their interests and they don't feel like two-dimensional characters. They feel like people.
0: I, I think that the Baker's Wife and the Witch are far and away the most complex yes. characters. Not even just the most complex female characters, like the most complex characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're beautifully nuanced and well-written and deep. But then the baker, his wife, dies to further the plot of her husband.
1: I wonder if... Maybe this is just me not wanting to ruin a a Sondheim piece. Do
0: not let your love of Sondheim cloud your judgement, Ellis. We've got to be objective here. I know,
1: but I wonder if, much like the message of this musical, the depiction of feminism in this musical isn't black or white and it's very grey and mixed and muddled and it succeeds in some ways and it fails in other ways. Mm,
0: yeah. Speaking of whether depiction is black or white, I would also be critical of the fact that in the original Broadway cast, even though this show is set in a fairy tale kingdom, the entire cast were white. Yep. Same with the movie.
1: Same with the movie. Like, Just...
0: race is not remotely <sighs> important.
1: Absolutely not. Please cast, cast more people of colour in this musical... Um, th- there's there's no queer representation. No, uh, no
0: very heteronormative. Everyone's very, like, very much so. Oh, gonna get a husband if they're a woman and gonna get a wife if they're a man. Yeah. Hmm. But. Which is also kind of sad because sometimes gay.
1: Yeah. And I think that's something that I wish he explored more in his works. Mm. Um, because yeah. a, a lot of his works are. Quite hetero normative, yeah. I would say.
0: But Also, what? Imagine how much you know. Like he's he's what ninety something years he's old. Ninety. Like in the era that he grew up, and he would have internalized so much homophobia that he'd be like, yeah. "Well, this isn't something that I can put on in a main stage production." Mm-hmm. Like the people, the folks want to see straightness, and that's sad.
1: That's really sad.
0: I think you're right. I think because everything is nuanced and there's no black or white. There's no blackness that for sure. <laughs> yep. um, because things aren't clean cut in this show. I think it's also fair to say that the representation of women and the feminist um, merits of this are also very hit and miss, not clean cut yeah. at all. So I'm going to sit firmly on the fence. Bam! I, mean,
1: I think it it critiques some things and it plays, plays into, into other things, and it's, oh, it's very yeah, it's a mixed bag of feminist ideals. Mm. Yeah.
0: Folks, if you would like to get in touch uh, and talk to us about your views on the feminist themes in Into the Woods. Um, Ellis, how can people get in touch with us?
1: Well, first you can tell us that we're sensitive, clever, well-mannered, considerate, passionate, charming, and kind as we're handsome, and heirs to thrones, or you can <laughs> get Just in touch with us.
0: <laughs> you can get in touch
1: with us on Facebook. We are feminism ruins everything dash. It's a feminist podcast. Perhaps we are. You can get in touch with us on Instagram at Feminism Ruins Everything Pod or you can support us on Patreon at uh, patreon.com forward slash Feminism Ruins Everything Pod.
0: Folks, we are also keen to like start um, like reading out some feedback uh, on at the start of every episode about a previous episode. So if you want to be like, here's my two cents worth and you just want to message it to us on one of our platforms, please do. And then we'll be like, Douglas from Bueller Park thinks this. I'm, I'm so surprised that Doug didn't bark and participate. Doug is the dog, by the way. Yeah, if I'm very confused. impressed with him. He's
1: been very yeah, good. Yeah, he's been
0: very well behaved. I'm really sad. I wanted to hear what he thought about the feminist merits into
1: the woods. He, he has a lot to say, I would imagine. He
0: would just pee on the trees.
1: <laughs> and on that note...
0: Goodbye, everyone. I wish...